as we look at with six graduates uh, here about to step out to the next part of life. It's, it's scary, and yet it's exciting. And, and just so grateful for God at work among us. Uh, we're going to be looking this morning on the peril of pride. And we're actually going to be going down through Second Chronicles 26 as we look at the example of a king, King Uzziah. But for our scripture reading, I want to look in the book of Luke, chapter 18. And it's a parable that Jesus told of two people, a Pharisee and a tax collector. So we're going to read from Luke 18, 9 through 14. And then we'll turn over to Second Chronicles 26 to look at the example lived out in a king of Judah, King Uzziah. So when you find Luke 18, 9. I want to ask that you stand in God's honor as we read from His holy word. <clears throat> to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Master, as we approach you, you're the one who is to get the attention. You're the one who deserves the praise. You're the one who is the source of every good thing. Father, sometimes we get it wrong. We want the attention. We think it's because of what we did. But Father, you're always the source of it. And Lord, we just want to worship you today as we look at Uzziah and Father, how he started out well, but he, he went down a wrong road and he ended up where he never intended to be. Guard us from that, Lord. Keep us close. Open our heart to who you are. We need you, Lord, and we worship you. And I just quite simply ask that you would continue to reveal yourself to us in the time that remains because we've come, Lord, uh, not just to meet together. We've come, Lord, to worship you. And we want that to, to be everything that happens here, including uh, this time. So, Lord, we cry out to you. Speak to us, Master. In your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, let's turn to Second Chronicles 26. And I'm actually going to march right down through here, through the chapter, as we look at the example of of this king and uh, before we actually get in into the passage that you know a lot of times people it's confusing when you look at the books of kings and the books of chronicles because it bounces around a lot and the characters change and the reason is because you're dealing with the history of Israel and the history of Judah and you're dealing as a result of that through 39 different kings 20 that were in the northern kingdom, I mean 20 in the southern kingdom and 19 in the northern kingdom. 
And I guess the best way to think about that from our thinking is our own country when we went through the Civil War. You had the Union Army and you had the Confederate Army. And, and, you know, we kept them apart, but that was our country. But that's how we distinguished those who were in battle. And you have this northern kingdom here that's described Israel, Ephraim, Samaria, and the southern kingdom, Judah, and then Jerusalem, the capital city. And as you look at the 20 kings in the northern kingdom, none of them followed God. They all rebelled against God. In the southern kingdom, of the 20 kings, there were 8 that followed God, and there were 12 who didn't. As we look at Uzziah, we see a guy who followed the Lord. But as we learn about him, uh, that was only for a time. Uh, Let's go ahead and jump down here into the text. It says, Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, made him king in place of his father Amaziah. He was the one who rebuilt Elith and restored it to Judah after Amaziah rested with his fathers. Now, I, I, I want to begin, I want to look at this, and, and I want you to see that this guy started ruling at 16 years of age. For those who think you have to be a certain age, you have to have a certain amount of experience before God can use you, it's not true. God can use you right where you are, regardless of your age, regardless of your experience, He can work. And He did at a young age through this guy. Uh, As we read on, we see He reigned Jerusalem for 52 years. The second longest reign in the kings of Judah. And then it just has this one statement about his mom. His mother's name was Jechaliah. She was from Jerusalem. And that's all we know about her. (laughs) That was her home. Jerusalem is where she grew up. So they had seen her ever from a child as she grew to be queen of Judah. And then in verse 4, it says, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. So the reference here is, he followed the Lord, but he followed the Lord according to how his dad followed the Lord. Man, what a statement. As a dad, that kind of statement brings me to my knees. If my child, my children, follow the Lord according to how I follow the Lord, how close a walk with God is that? How embarrassing is that? How fulfilling is that? If the only Bible they read is my life... If the only picture, portrait of God Himself they see is contingent upon me. What does that look like? Now, look back with me at the previous chapter, chapter 25, verse 2. We read about his father, Amaziah. Look what it says in verse 2. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord but not wholeheartedly. So, this is where we begin to learn about Uzziah, about his walk with the Lord. It was like his dad's. He followed the Lord, but it wasn't with all of his heart. It it was when it was convenient. It was when it worked for him, but when it became difficult, 
when, 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 when it was not something that was easy to do, he didn't do it. He walked the fence. He didn't do it with a whole heart. It is a difficult thing to be transparent because then people get to see warts and all. But I'm convinced that what is needed more than ever are people who really love Jesus, who really walk with Jesus. I'm not talking about Christian celebrities. I'm not talking about people who just exude charisma, people who are who have power and, and who have wealth and who have gifts. And, and who, I mean, all that is important, but, but, but that is still no substitute for a genuine walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. People need to see that. Families need to see that. Relationships come. And, and, and that's when I think God takes off. It's when we're serious about our walk with God. About Him. And, oh, it's so humbling and so challenging uh, to really walk with Him because then you begin to see, oh, gracious, thank God for grace. Because I am... You know, I had a friend of mine, he used to always pray, God, help me be the man others think I am. As I get older, I begin to understand that more and more. Lord, I need your grace in my life. I called a friend of mine the other day, and he was sick. And uh, he lives in Roanoke. So I ended up talking to his wife for a short time on the phone. And uh, our daughter Lydia graduated yesterday, and their son uh, graduated too from another college. And, and she was just telling me about, and they were talking about some life issues. And she said, Todd, I... I love him so much, and I was trying to talk to him, and he just didn't want to listen to me. And, and we kind of got in this clash, and we were talking, and said, finally, I just stopped and said, honey, let's pray. Man, it's tough. It's tough because we don't force one another to do stuff. And, and it's hard when we don't agree. The Lord's got to be central. I I ran across this in the study I want to share with you. I think this just really shares the heart of a parent. I gave you life, but I cannot live it for you. I can teach you things, but I cannot make you learn. I can give you directions, but I cannot always be there to lead you. I can allow you freedom, but I cannot account for it. I can take you to church, but I cannot make you believe. I can teach you right from wrong, but I can't always decide for you. I can buy you beautiful clothes, but I cannot make you lovely inside. I can offer you advice, but I cannot accept it for you. I can give you love, but I cannot force it upon you. I can teach you to be a friend, but I cannot make you one. I can teach you to share, but I cannot make you unselfish. I can teach you respect, but I can't force you to show honor. I can advise you about friends, but I cannot choose them for you. I can teach you about sex, but I cannot keep you pure. I can tell you the facts of life, but I can't build your reputation. I can warn you about drugs, but I can't prevent you from using them. I can tell you about lofty goals, but I can't achieve them for you. I can teach you kindness, but I can't force you to be gracious. I can warn you about sins, but I cannot make your morals. I can love you as a daughter or son, but I cannot place you in God's family. I can pray for you, but I cannot make you walk with God. I can teach you about Jesus, but I cannot make Him your Savior. I can tell you how to live, but I cannot give you eternal life. Wow. Uh, 
He walked in the steps of his father. Notice as we go, keep going down through here. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. That was half-hearted. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. What a, look at the last part of verse 5 here. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. Now, let's look at that success. Verse 6, he talks about he went to war against the Philistines. He broke down these walls here, the mentioned Gab, Gath, Jabna, Ashdod. I think this is this says a lot about him. He didn't just defeat these enemies. He didn't just tear down their cities. Look what it says here. He then rebuilt towns near Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. That says a lot about him. He wasn't just about destruction. He was about rebuilding. He was about offering hope to the people. He, he didn't just want to conquer people. He wanted to, he wanted to encourage people. He, he, he wanted to build them up and, and build their places up. So after he conquered, he did that. Notice verse 7. God helped him. What a great statement. The sooner we all learn that, the better, right? God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabs who lived in Gerbal and, and against the Munites. And anyway, he, he, he goes on here, and as we read about him, it's amazing as we read about how, how God raises up and, and, and gives him success. And, and as we go down through here, look at verse 9 here. It says he built towers in Jerusalem, and then it describes these towers and, and, and walls that were fortified. And, and, and I love this part here in verse 10. It says, he also built towers in the desert. Now, think about this, a desert, a barren land, a, you know, a place where nobody wants to be. But notice how he changes that, how he transforms that desert area, that dry patch of ground. It says he dug cisterns there. He, he had much livestock that he placed there. He had people working in the fields and vineyards, in the hills and the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. So he took these places of desert and he transformed it into a beautiful place with flowers and, and plants and vegetation and, and livestock. And, and it was a place filled with life and instead of a place that was barren. Man, how could, how could you not love this guy? And then it goes on to talk about this well-trained army in verse 11. And, and we continue to read about that. It says he had leadership of 2,600 commanders and 307,500 men that, that were trained for war. And, and then we go on, man, he even supplied them with weaponry they needed. In verse 14, it says they provided shields and spears and helmets and coats of armor, bows, man, sling stones. He, he provided them with what they needed. And then in verse 15, he was innovative. Man, God blessed him. Verse 15, we read that he made machines designed by skillful men. And they were used to shoot arrows and hurl huge, large stones. So, as we read about him, man, God blesses him. Not only to conquer, but to rebuild and, and to bring what was death. He brought life. God the mark of God was all over him and all over his kingdom. And what a blessing that was as we read about it. I want you to notice uh, verse 15. It says, His fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. Now, 
Once again, I want to read verses, uh, little, verse 5. He says he sought God. And then it says as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. Verse 7, God helped him. Verse 8, what we read is that the Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah and his, spread, his fame spread as far as the border of Egypt because he had become very powerful. Notice by the time we get to verse 8, there's no mention about God. And then in verse 15, his fame spread. Not God's fame. Something had happened. There was a shift that happened in the heart of Uzziah. And we read that, what that tragic truth in verse 15. He was greatly helped until he became powerful. Something happened and he came to a point where he stopped giving God credit. And he said, this is something I accomplished. This is something that I did. God was left out. Suddenly he, he began to see the blessings as a result of what he did. Not what God accomplished in his life. And guys, that's when it all went downhill. But it's not just about being on top of the mountain. Pride is one of those things that can sneak in any time that we accomplish something. And if we're not careful, we begin to think, I don't really need God. I did this. I love the story of a guy that was in Chicago, Harry Ironside. And a couple of generations ago, he was a preacher there. And, uh, man, I've read a lot of stories about him. He was a character. But the church began to grow there that he served, and he got a little prideful. He thought, man, God really likes me. God's really using me. God's really gifted me. And then he got worried about it. He said, you know, this is wrong. So he talked to a buddy of his, and his buddy said, Harry, what you need to do is get you one of those old sandwich boards and wear it and walk around Chicago and shout out Bible verses. He said, brother, that, that'll, that'll keep you from getting so prideful. He said, that's not a bad idea. So he got one of those sandwich boards, and you know he, he put some verses on the sandwich boards front and back, and he walked the streets of Chicago, and he screamed out Bible verses. And then Harry said he went home, and he goes, I am so exhausted. That was so difficult. I bet there's not another man in Chicago humble enough to do that. It's what happens to us. Suddenly, God, who deserves the credit for our blessings, suddenly we, we begin to kind of push it aside and say, God, it's me, not you. I want you to notice his downfall from that point on. In verse 16, we begin to read about it. It says, uh, He was unfaithful to the Lord his God. I'll stop there a minute. You know, it's always... We don't understand, but when we sin, it's first and foremost against God. So it is with pride and, and every other sin. It says, um, And he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah the priest with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord followed him in. What a picture. Here's a guy that steps out of the bounds of his responsibility, he's king, he's not priest, but he gets too big for his britches, as we like to say in the hills. And he says, well, I'm as good as the priest, I can do this job. And so he walks in there to do what is not his role. 
And here come the 80 priests in to rebuke him and, and to correct him. They confronted him. They said, verse 18, It's not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That's for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you've been unfaithful, and you'll not be honored by the Lord God. But, guys, instead of being humbled, he became angry. Well, that's a real sign of pride in our lives when someone confronts us about a wrong and, and anger comes out. And when that happens, you need to do a checkup of the heart. <laughs> uh, verse 19, Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand, ready to burn incense, became angry while he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple. Leprosy broke out on his forehead. He was raging against the priest. He was angry because he was filled with pride. And here comes the spiritual spanking, and it's a big one. Leprosy breaks out on his head. That dreaded disease that separates you from people as well as separates you from your health as there's this descent where you go downhill. And it came about because he had forgotten God. And you know what's tragic about it? Is as we'll see as we march down through here that he became forgotten and it started when he began to forget God <laughs> oh wow it's it's tragic um, as we read it says when Azariah the chief priest all the other priests looked at him they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead so they hurried him out you gotta get out man indeed he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died he lived in a separate house, leprous and excluded from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son, had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. So he went from the palace to in isolation, quarantined, separated, alone. The other events of Uzziah's reign from beginning to end are recorded by the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. Uzziah rested with his fathers and was buried near them in a field for burial that belonged to the kings. For the people said he had leprosy and Jotham his son succeeded him as king. Think about this. He was the most popular guy in the land. He sought God. God helped him. God blessed him. God worked in him. But he forgot God. He pushed God aside and he began to take all the credit. He began... He forgot God and he ended up forgotten. Man, it struck me. They didn't put on his tombstone. They didn't say about him. Here's a king who had leprosy. They said he had leprosy. How sad. Man, it never pays to forget God. It, it never pays to move on without God. There's a price that comes out of that. I close with uh, three quick lessons as, as a result of that. Um, if you're blessed and you're aware of it, uh, prosperous, it's because of the Lord. Don't forget that. Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18. I uh, encourage you to turn there real quick. What a great verse of Scripture. Deuteronomy 8, uh, 17 and 18. 
God is speaking through his servant Moses to the people and he's giving them a warning to remember the Lord and his word, his law. Verse 17, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. Hey, don't get this idea. It's my power. It's the strength of my hands. God's the one that gave you that strength. God's the one that gave you that ability. God's the one that puts you in a position to do what you've done. Don't forget him. I also thought of James chapter 1, verse 17 that says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Hey, if it's good, if it's a blessing, God's the source of it. And the lesson here is, is quite simply, man, if you're blessed, give God credit. He's the one that brought the blessing. Um, secondly, success is a dangerous place to be. Because when you're up high, you've got a long way to fall. And it hurts to hit the ground or the rock or whatever you fall upon. Uh, Proverbs sixteen eighteen. You guys know it. it says, Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Be careful. Be careful because when you're blessed... When things are going well, it's a temptation to get off track, to lose sight of God. And Uzziah is a prime example of that. Golly, he was so blessed. And he lost his way. He lost sight of the source of that blessing. And then thirdly and lastly, the God that blesses also can break. And we not forget that God is holy and He talks about that Sin has a cost. You know, Galatians 6, 7, and 8, it says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Hey, we, we reap what we sow, you know. If we sow to please the Spirit, there's life that's everlasting. But if we sow to please the sinful nature of the flesh, it's destruction. It, it, it matters. It matters what we do. There is an accountability and a responsibility, and we're called to stay close. I close with this illustration. Uh, years ago, when Cindy and I served in Moorhead City after seminary, uh, there was a pastor named Jack Hinton at New Newburn Baptist Church. I met Jack a couple of times, associational stuff. Really nice man of God. And he went on a mission trip with some others to Tobago. And while they were there serving, they had a worship service in a leper colony. And, of course, that was humbling as you looked at people who had such horrible physical disfigurements because of the leprosy. Jack was leading the music, and there was one particular lady through the singing. She had uh, turned, and all he saw was the back of her head. He asked, does anyone have any requests to sing? And the lady turned around... And he saw the most hideous face he'd ever seen because leprosy, she had no nose, she had no lips, she had no ears, she had no fingers. But she raised her fingerless hand 
And she said, can we sing Count Your Many Blessings? And he couldn't finish. Someone else had to lead it. And he, he, he walked off and someone asked him, they said, Jackson, you'll probably never be able to sing Count Your Blessings again. He said, oh, yes, I will. It just won't be the same. Hey, let's remember what we have. Here's a lady and all of us will say, look at her condition. Look at this. And she said, count your many blessings. You have blessings. I have blessings. We tend to want to escalate the mess and you know lift it up. Let's lift God up. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you this morning as we look at Uzziah and we are reminded how important it is, Lord, not to lose sight of you. You bless us, and if we're not careful, we begin to think that we're the primary reason for what we have. It's never been true, Lord. You are. And Father, as we take time to worship you and time to respond, maybe there's someone here who's been trying to work and get ahead and figure it out, but they've never really bowed to you and said, Jesus Christ, I need your forgiveness. I need you to live in my life. I need you to be my God. I need you. Well, this is a time to trust God and to find what is needed in Jesus. Because there's no greater model of humility than Jesus Christ leaving heaven, stooping for us, going to the cross, victoriously raised from the grave, sitting at the right hand of heaven, praying for us. And and He wants everyone to know His perfect forgiveness. And so, Lord, if there's one here who needs that, now's the time to pray. Forgive me. Enter my heart, Jesus. Make me new. What a great time to do that. Others, Lord, you may want to touch lives in a different way. And Father, we have an altar. Maybe someone needs to come and pray at this altar. Say, God, forgive me. I've forgotten you. You've blessed me. You've provided. But Lord, I I don't want my family to follow you according to how I do. If that's the case, now's a good time to do business with you, O oh God. And may that change. God, just get a hold of us, Lord. Um, we need you. Uh, thank you for this time, Lord, as we prepare to stand, as we prepare to sing. Father, if you call us, may we be prepared to come to pray and to do business here before your people, but most importantly, before you, God, because it's always before you. In your name we pray. Amen.